This is a podcast from SCC English, the English department of St. Columbus College, Dublin in Ireland. Visit our blog www.sccenglish.ie for more information. Welcome to the SCC English podcast number 13. This is Julian Gurnham from St. Columbus College in Dublin. And this week in June 2009, I am talking to Nick Brace of the Action Track performance company who is visiting with his colleagues and working with the transition year and he and Action Track have been here f- since 1993 so I'm going to be talking to Nick about the process of drama working with teenagers and about uh, his own organization Action Track so Nick very well warm welcome to the SCC English recording studio <laughs> thank you <laughs> 1993 16 years ago you arrived and yeah. the people you're working with this week are 16 so quite a quite a stretch mm. can you tell us anything you remember about coming all those years ago to St Columbus yes a few things um, I remember uh, working in a common room with a group of students on some drama exercises really it wasn't so much to do with building a show like we do now it was a kind of taster tryout um, and doing some movement and dance things uh, with I guess would have been a TY group and then very soon after that I think possibly about eight nine months later we came back and did our first show build which is what we've been coming back to do mostly ever since with TY. Mm. I'd like to take a take uh, our listeners through the process of what a show build is so you've just arrived on Monday night you start work on Tuesday and on Saturday you produce a show and you've been doing this for many years so could you take us step by step through the process when you arrive with nothing to when you leave with a full-scale musical show sure I think the first thing to say is that despite what might appear there is nothing before we start and I think that's a very tempting thing to yeah, well, they brought the songs with them, or this is a story that's um, something that they've used before, or whatever. And, and that is absolutely not the case. So we do actually really only have the performance in place for two and a half days. So by about halfway through the five, we have devised the story, the characters, the songs. The set has been at least conceived, if not built, um, and the choreography has been planned. So over the five days there are it's basically two halves there's a kind of open-ended bit and then there's a very finite bit that heads towards the show um on the first day two things have to take place we have to kind of establish quite quickly uh a working rhythm with the group which is something that if a group knows each other very well already um is quite is, is usually easier than if the group doesn't know each other at all. Um, that's a slightly double-edged sword, but it, but it generally speaking works like that. So coming here, we would meet the group for <clears throat> the morning and spend most of the morning trying out things, seeing what they were up for, mostly to do with drama, movement, uh, theatre games, quite high energy, quite run around, uh, not much stopping and analysing in fact there's very little stopping and analysing at all over the course of the five days and so at the end of the first morning there we would have all built a sort of bit of a sweat up together and had a bit of a laugh and tried a few things out and seen each other uh, work and then in the second half of the day we do the same thing but we do it with words written word and that 
process, that part of the process generates lyrics for songs or ideas for songs. Um, and so over the course of day of the evening of day one, overnight on day one, uh, songs get written. Now, usually the songs get written by us, but sometimes, as has happened here in the past, individuals who are up for it take off a set of lyrics. And as long as they know that by the following morning they've got to teach a chorus at least or two, then they're given the lyrics to work on and they come back and we teach the songs at the beginning of day two. That sometimes six, eight, sometimes it's been more than that. But say this week we're working with eight tunes or seven tunes at the moment, one yet to be written. And um, can I just pause and ask sure. you where the origins of these songs come from? When ah, you yeah. are, in other words, how did they develop into songs before you write the music? Yeah. And okay, so from the word games and the, the speed writing and stream of consciousness stuff and word association games and all that sort of stuff, we come up with random ideas for titles for songs. So we might have a song about Robin Hood. We might have a song about two lovers breaking up. We might have a song about a cupboard. We might have a song about a frog. All sorts of different things. And the, the reason we home in on certain words rather than others, certain sets of words rather than others, is that, that we think they are, they have a kind of, I was going to say integrity, is too grand a term really, but they have a sort of uh, worth. They, they seem to sort of sit up and there may be a, an element of craftsmanship about it that, that is appealing or it might be a clever rhyme or it might be just an idea for a good character. Um, and this is all coming from the back of the mind. Nobody's got time to think about what it's got to be like because it's all quite fast. So the song lyrics get developed from this kind of random mulch of words. And all the kids get involved in writing a verse or a chorus, usually not based on their own title. So say Miriam's come up with a title that's um, I Love Spain in the Winter, uh, then that title might go to somebody else and Sean might have to work on the words for it. So there's a breakdown of a sense of ownership. And then we get our kind of, uh, we get a whole stack of lyrics. And last night it was 40 sets of lyrics. And we have to whittle that down. There's no way we could get 40 songs written, let alone rehearsed and choreographed and fitted into one show over the course of a week. So we make a, an editorial decision about which ones stay and which ones go. And usually what happens is we find that there are kind of thematic links. So the love, all the love stories go into one song. All the stories about the journey go into one song. So the, the, there's a sort of distilling. Then the songs form chapter headings for the story. And that's what gives us our kind of approach, really. Rather than us writing a play and coming up with a show that then needs 10 songs in it, we find that by writing the songs first and asking the group to kind of respond to the songs creatively in so far as they will need to find stories that link seven different chapters together. Mm. So that, gives, that you, gives us a story. Yes, yeah, so it gives you kind of freedom. I mean, your plots are famously, <laughs> shall I say, picaresque. But they, <laughs> they move in unusual yeah. ways. Yeah. So we're at day two now, yeah. um, and uh, which is a Wednesday for us. So you're, yeah. you're, then what happens next? Okay. So improvisations and quick. Again, everything's done very fast. As <laughs> has to be really. Um, but so we're working on the songs. We teach the songs. Everybody gets the choruses written down. <clears throat> And then we make the stories. And then sometimes with the group, sometimes with some of the group, but usually with a mixture of them and us, as it were. It's all a bit, you know, the, the, we think of ourselves, we call ourselves collaborators. And that's 
a deliberate term because we like to work alongside the group to make something that we're all involved in rather than us telling them what to do and vice versa. So the songs form uh, the background for impros and then that becomes something that we craft into a script. So tonight there will be a script written based on the ideas that have come from linking two or three songs together. Mm. So our job now, when I've finished talking to you in this wonderful studio, will be to um, go and work out a story that will hold most of the ideas or some of the strongest ideas into one thing. Mm. And that is a, a very important editorial moment because in a way it's the next thing that goes back to the group is a script. Yes. And they need to see yeah. and will hopefully see how their ideas have been incorporated mm. into it. And there are still groups <clears throat> that we go back to. There are still schools that we go back to every now and then who think that the script has come two days late. Yes. And don't actually often, you know, well, why, does, why, why is that happening? Well, that's because you did that on Monday or yeah. Tuesday or whatever yeah. it is. So the script comes in and then it turns into two and a half days of full on rehearsal. Yeah. Very intense. Yeah. yeah very I mean, intense. when you give um, the script to them tomorrow morning, mm. uh, how do you parcel out particular parts? Do yeah. you? I mean, is this just yeah. thrown up in the air and you yeah. the first person to grab the part, or do you? Well, it's an interesting. You know, I think it's a very interesting process actually because we definitely cast it, um, and the group has an investment in that. I mean, we we ask everybody who wants to play what. We go around the circle and you opt in for a part. You can't say, I don't want to play anybody. You can't say, I don't mind. You've got to say, I'll be one of the fish or I'll be the knight or whatever it turns out to be. And then we take all that away into a room, uh, ignore it all and work out where the groups might work best, what we've seen happen, who's been most kind of engaged in the process and who says they're a really good singer or who says they're a really good dancer to a certain extent, all goes out of the window at, at that point because what we're looking at is a way of keeping everybody engaged even though now they've got a character and it tends to sort of fall back a bit. The pendulum of the momentum tends to swing back a bit once the script comes in. And there are places that we work where I don't use a script. We work off script all the way to the end. Mm. And that creates a different sort of vibe. But in a group of 40, it's quite hard yes. to do something yeah. like that. So with... Yeah. With this sort of group and working with a script, once you've got your part and you know you're in scene three and scene seven and you've got to sing the song at the end of scene two, it's sort of in danger of compartmentalising the experience mm -hmm. a bit. Hopefully, we ignore that we can get rid of that because everybody's involved in other things all the time, yes, yeah. like building the set by then, yes. or choreography, or, or all those sort of things. So it is, as you say, a very intense mm -hmm. process mm -hmm. towards the final. And I was going to ask about that next because, of course, what you're interested in is in them doing everything and. Um, your shows are very visually strong they always have been and they're all startling and interesting and <laughs> wacky yeah. um, could you talk a little bit about the, uh, the, f the nature of building set pro props, the choice of how they dress themselves and so mm. on, the actual visual nature of this, how this works in two and a half days yeah. basically or three days I think quite a lot of the, the spectacle of what we manage to achieve is because it has to be done really quickly if we were working over the course of 10 weeks, then there would be time to find the right cloak to go with the right crown and the right footwork and footwear and uh, the proper belt. But actually, because there's no time, we end up with that slightly sort of circusy look often, which has got you know somebody with a cardboard crown, a full ermine coat, a pair of runners on and a belt, an S belt, you know, yeah. and that's the king of 
Spain or whoever it is. I don't know why I've got Spain on the brain at the moment. But that's, that's you know, it, and it, so it creates a kind of anarchy to look at, which I really love. I think yeah. that's, that's fine. And one of the most wonderful moments is to see them for the first time, which is usually about four hours before the performance, dressed yes. in the costumes they've managed to find, yeah. blag, steal or borrow yeah. from somewhere. And it just looks nuts, absolutely nuts. Yeah. And you suddenly think, oh, okay, this is going to be fine because mm. it looks bonkers, yeah. and that's that's fine. With the set, once the, once the set has been conceptualised and we know that we're going to have to build a big gorilla or we're going to have to put a shadow screen up or we're going to build a set, that the stage like we did in the first year, went up straight up through the BSR. When we know that that's going to happen, it kind of creates another buzz as well and people go, okay, right, this is this is really going to happen. And it's going to happen tomorrow yes or yeah. the day after tomorrow and usually if I've been in a play before I've had all term to learn my lines mm. and and there is a hot housing mm. of course the the point I'm sure with other schools but certainly about St Columbus is, is that lots of them have been in plays but lots of them certainly haven't this is their first ever sure. experience of yeah. doing something and you yeah. get the expert actors and so on and singers but then you get people who are suddenly thrust up there yeah in front of their peers and in front of their parents and so on, having to do extraordinary things. Yeah, and I think that's, that, that for me is one of the best things about this process, is that actually it matters not one jot whether you were Juliet last week or you were dancing in the Dublin dance show or whatever it is. If you don't get stuck in and you wait for your moment, which is often, and I'm not suggesting it, it is all the time, but quite often, if you know you're a brilliant drummer or a fantastic guitarist or a wonderful dancer, because that's what you've done a lot, you sort of tend to wait for your moment to shine. That moment will never arrive in an action track no, project. No. I've always admired what I might call your counter-casting. Uh, people singing who are definitely not in the choir. Really not in the choir. No, probably, um, and would probably never be. No. But the, their opportunity to kind of have a crack at it and the energy that comes across... At any level, whether they be nine-year-olds, which is obviously not the case here, or 19-year-olds and anything in between... The people who get the most out of it, and the, the the fact that the audience get off get off on it, is because people are having a, you know, really good go at it, and they really go for it big time, and that's that's what mm. gets the piece across. Mm. And in the last hours, yeah. you've got to the point, let's say the last day now, and yeah. it's a very very intense day. It's also coincidentally that for us their last day in school of the year, yeah. so they've got all that in their yeah. minds too. Um, how do you cope with the kind of chaos and energy needed and so on for that day itself and I could take us through the process of the day how they build up to 8.15 in the evening yeah so uh, the the big ground rules for the last day are nobody goes onto stage with a script whether it be for songs or dance moves or so, that, so they know that that's it and we do a slow run from the first moment we can all the way through the show, in order, with all songs and all dances, all all um, set moves. If there is technicality and stuff, we put that in, and then and that usually takes us till about half past two, three o'clock in the afternoon to get through the show, which maybe lasts an hour and a half, and three quarters, once. It's very important that the next time we do it, it doesn't take that long. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what we put for is a push for is another fast. What we call a fast run, and then a dress rehearsal. More often than not, we get the fast run, and then somebody has to have tea, and then we have to come back and do the show. Yeah. Um, so if we're lucky we get through it twice if we're really lucky we get through it three times before the audience sees it people who know about theatre people who I've known for years and years who come and see pieces that we've made sometimes for the first time have remarked on the fact that that they have very rarely seen young people 
so, and I'm going to use a theatrical term here, and I apologise in advance, in the moment. Mm, sorry about that. Uh, because there is a sort of sense of the first one and only time that this is mm. going to happen, and the only time I've got to get it right. So unlike a six-week run or a three-day, you know, three three nights of a play that's been worked on for ages, there is a kind of, this is it, this is the moment that I've got to get it right. Yes. Mm. And the sort of energy and the... Uh, the uh, bazaars that comes out of that is, is really exciting. Mm. They're not, they don't always get it all right, but pretty much ninety nine percent of the time, yes. I mean, I've it been comes seen, off. Yes, I, I've seen plenty of your dress rehearsals, yeah. and five minutes later, after a break, and you're thinking, "Oh boy, <laughs> it's not going to happen and tonight." It, and yeah. of course, sometimes people make mistakes, but everyone understands in the audience. Well, that's the nature of this. Yeah. It's not like a, a a drama which has taken two three months to prepare, but nevertheless. So far, he says, touching yeah, wood, yeah, there, yeah. there, I haven't seen a, a performance which hasn't worked really well. No, in its way. and I don't think that I don't. When touching wood again, over twenty something years that I've been doing it, a show has never failed, and that's working with many different sorts of groups. Mm. There's been one piece that Rachel and I were involved in, a previous designer, over in in Somerset, that went wrong. But even then, when it went wrong, and I mean wrong in the sense that the wrong scene happened after the wrong song and kids came on to do the wrong bit and go off again and you know got into a bit of a state, even then, the piece didn't fail because as luck would have it, the action track star shine, shines and the piece is about the escaping of a time bug. Ah, brilliant. <laughs> so, what a... so as it turned out... Now it the world knows now <laughs> that it wasn't planned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> reveal so it that. worked out rather well. Yeah. Yeah. And... Can I just ask you, before we move on to your work generally mm. uh, outside St. Columbus, um, about any memorable shows in the past particularly, or any moments that you remember from uh, yeah. months you're 15, yeah, shows yeah. that you've done? Uh, yes, I mean, there are some. Um, my, my, I think my favourite Columbus moment was a piece of silent comedy that one of the design team brought together when we were doing our outdoor piece, the only piece we've actually able to manage to sustain doing outside, which featured the man with no lines on a on a horse. But also one of the lads who was involved in the design department made well they, they built about half a dozen cacti, huge cacti, six foot, seven foot cacti to place outside the chapel. So that when the audience came to sit on what was then I think a tennis court to watch the piece that was happening up on above cloisters and between the chapel and on that lawn there. They would come into this kind of dressed um, arena, if you like, where the town was ready to sort of wake up. And thankfully, we could use the chapel; it was lovely. And we could use the, we brought a trailer in and built a huge dream catcher. It was great; it's fantastic. But it was a very wonderful moment where this lad had built this cacti, and while the audience was in, unknown to anybody apart from ourselves, he hid inside the cactus. And uh, it was about towards the middle of scene two that this guy just sort of upped his cacti, cactus and walked off with absolutely no ceremony or anything at all. It's one of the funniest things I've ever yeah, seen. I remember it. Well. <laughs> and it was just an yeah. absolute riot. And I'm a bit of a sucker for that sort of background, yeah. Jack Tatty style kind of thing that's going on that nobody quite gets but understands that it's... It was yes. uh, I, I shall name him now in case he's listening to the podcast. Oh, great, David yeah. Myerscope. Oh, yes. great. Yeah, well, uh, here's absolutely, to you. Yeah, well done, very yeah. special. Yeah. yeah. Okay, can we move on just for the last few minutes of the oh, Sorry, uh, can I just say there was, one, there was one other rather moving um, 
episode as well, like which which we as a company will always remember. And that was when Aoife sang um, her her song during the during the show that um, I think was probably on her, la- her last year here, and and then she unfortunately passed away the, the following year, and that that was something that we all felt kind of very um, strongly about because of the way in which it sort of vindicated the work as much. As yeah, it. yeah, so. yeah. Um, your work generally, because yeah. uh, you're not in Columbus all the time, quite obviously. No. <laughs> Sometimes it feels you're here every other week. <laughs> but um, could you just briefly describe the kind of other kinds of work you do with uh, various age groups and where you do it mm. and what the variety of your work is as a, as a company? Sure. Um, well, I think now, um, unlike probably up until about five or six years ago, um, about 80% of our work is local uh, to where we're based in the southwest of England. So quite a lot of work now happens within Somerset and uh, a, a larger degree within the southwest. Having said that, there are other places that we go to, other countries that we've been to regularly and less regularly, but the nature of the work is pretty much always the same. It's usually usually cross-art form. Um, it is always collaborative and it always generates something. So it might be a concert or it might be a mural or it may be a fire show or it might be a recording. We have a recording studio at um, at head office, as it were, and we are using that increasingly now to kind of generate community-based music you know, music projects, and that's working very well. We've just finished doing a, um, an 18-month-long project with an organisation in the UK called Youth Music, funded by them to help us put together a program of workshops and concerts and sessions on composition of vocal music. Um, we're also involved in a kind of pilot year, or preliminary year of different workshops here and there and everywhere for the schools in our immediate area. And that's on an artist in residence basis, so they can phone up and say, we'd like somebody to come in for three days and do some drumming or do some songs. And that can be with nine-year-olds, or it can be with secondary schools or whatever. We also work with communities so a village for example a couple of years ago less than that about a year ago we worked in a village near Taunton on uh, a village play which Mm. involved kids from the local schools as well as slightly less than young uh, involved in creation of a piece very interesting Bruno it's fantastic the the variety what's what's really um, in a way affirming I suppose is that our approach doesn't really seem to need to change very much depending on each project. I mean, as long as we keep the kind of like two-way flow thing going and as long as we keep our own skills and chops in order, then we can work with people to to an end that that none of us know about yet anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think if we, if we arrived in a village and said, we're going to do an outdoor version of Macbeth in Charlton Macro or... Compton Pornsford and those are both genuine villages by the way they only have only villages always have two names in Somerset well they, they, they have quite a lot of two name villages right, okay. yes. my yeah. favourite is Hazelbury Plucknet oh splendid yeah um, and if we arrived there and said okay well we're going to do Macbeth in your churchyard then I think we would have less positive response mm. um, but if if we're asked in and that's a very very key issue if we're asked in to work with a group of people on something that they don't know about yet either, then we can, as I said before, collaborate towards something yes. that nobody was ready for. And that's yeah. what's exciting. Really. And 
you've been, he said delicately, at this quite a while, <laughs> although not all your colleagues have. Um, I mean, it requires an enormous amount of energy. One of the things I admire about Action Track is you come in, you're always hitting the ground running, but yeah. I know that you have to do this every single time. I mean, it's yeah. they you can't do this kind of thing except full-on, full-scale energy, and yeah. that's obviously exhilarating, but also yeah. very tiring. Is, and yeah. how do you see the company <laughs> developing? I'm not <laughs> suggesting that you're about to <laughs> retire or anything, yeah. but it does. Uh, you know, it's quite dependent on you in a sense uh, as the leader of, hmm. of it. Uh, how do you see it sustaining itself over time? There's going to come a time when mm. you can't be doing zip zap boing to <laughs> teenagers because you're 86. Zimmer frame. Yeah. <laughs> zip zap Zimmer frame. Um, absolutely. And actually, it's an interesting point now. Over the last six or seven months, and for the next year, I suspect, we are talking to lots of different people about the sustainability of the company because we have made. Um, a good uh, fist of it for the last 22 years and it is clear that we do have a, um, a portfolio work and a kind of track record of this kind of work and we don't know of any other organisation that works with the same brief. I mean there are lots of organisations who will come and do drama workshops, music workshops and so on and, and create pieces, no question about that but but there is something about the action track way that is appealing and we now feel confident to know that there is an action track way because we've been working with 20% core funding, 17, 15% core funding for the last 20 years. So that's meant that the rest of the money has had to come from people asking us to do it and paying us to do it. And um, that is a, a good mark of, of whether we're any good at it or not. And we have recently started to investigate what comes next. Um, whether it's a clone team, whether it's uh, training people who work in our in our disciplines to go and do other things elsewhere. I mean, one of the things, for example, that we've talked about, which is relevant to Ireland, is whether there is a market for Action Track to work with artists in Ireland who might then be useful to TY, because for yes. us it's an absolute beaut of a of a of a a gig. I mean, it fits exactly with what we do. It fits exactly with what seems to be what TY is about. I can't believe there aren't more organisations in Ireland making, yes. you know, making yeah. representations and yeah. saying we can find ways. I mean, I know there are, and I know there are in mm. Dublin people who who will offer projects and all that kind of thing. But coming in with a bit of something and doing stuff and making something unique, mm. I think is um, is up for grabs really. Mm. So there are ways in which we're doing it. so. It's a rather sort of long-winded way of saying that that it's sort of under review at the moment. I mean, my particular role at the moment is still to deliver projects and also to oversee the development of the company. That's what my job as an artistic director is. And it may be that within the next five or six years, there are others who come through who will take on more of the delivery while I look at the development or training of others to, to bring stuff on. It might be that I stay delivering and somebody else comes in and looks at company development these are things that we're talking about at the moment mm. but as you say you know the muscles do tire and and it is a high energy activity but at the moment i don't feel I'd, it's kind of I, I wouldn't know quite what to do if i didn't do that no. well, you so, don't look like you're flagging at the moment <laughs> well thanks it's I'll, the back you know I, there's but, three more days I, of this week to go yeah that's right but i don't think i mean we have always believed and personally i've always believed that it's the work that 
sells the work. Yes. And even if I stopped doing the work to go off and do other things that might be consultative or might be strategic and all those other kind of bureaucratic words, I don't think that would be a. St- I don't think I'd be doing as much for the good of the work yes. as I would be if yeah. I as, as I do it. And that's yeah. that's kind of my feeling at the moment. Mm. I mean, well, there are, as you know, there. Are, I mean, we've got young. We've got different faces with us this year than we've had with us before. And there was a time up until not long ago when if you called Action Track, you got the same four people, whatever happened, yes. you know, you'd still you'd get that, that squad. And that's a change that the company's gone through. It is the, those squad members are still around, but they're not the entire workforce. And there are other younger and um, uh, more emerging artists who we are using more often now who are bringing new things to to what's going on and that's, that's good yeah. well as you say the work sells the work and I can <laughs> heartily re- recommend anyone listening to this uh, Action Track's work the links are on our blog sccenglish.ie and there'll be some pictures and reports of the current show build up the next few right. days and um, we're, I believe we're going to end this uh, podcast not with a bang but we're going to end this podcast now but I think we're going to be ending the week hopefully with a bang or even a volcano, volcano that's so if okay. you're listening to this and coming to the show on Saturday then be prepared for fireworks, metaphorical. Yes. For real. <laughs> but uh, Nick Brace of Action Track, thank you very much. Thank you very much.